The reading this morning is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 28, and that can be found on page 1002 of the Pew Bibles, page 1002. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. It would be very helpful if you could keep that passage open in front of you. There are plenty of Bibles in the benches, so if you can't see one at the moment, can you get one? It's on page 1002 in the Bibles. 1002, Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. But before we look at that, let's just briefly pray. Father, we pray that as we look at Mark's gospel this morning, we would come to know Jesus better, such that we follow him more faithfully. Amen. If you were here last week, and I know a lot of us weren't here last week, you will know that we've begun a new series in Mark's Gospel. And naturally we started at the beginning, and last week we looked at the first 13 verses of chapter 1. And among other things, in that passage, John, uh, Mark tells us about the ministry of John the Baptist. Now John was essentially the last of the Old Testament prophets. Those prophets called on people to repent and to turn back to God. And they said that in due course, God would come in salvation and judgment. And specifically, that he would send his anointed saviour, the Messiah. And that was essentially John the Baptist's message as well, with one addition. When he met Jesus, he, on one occasion literally, and other occasions metaphorically, pointed to him and said, and this is the Messiah. 
Now, shortly after he had done that, he was arrested and put in prison, and he was never released. Uh, And I suspect that caused some consternation amongst his followers. But they needn't have worried, because you see, John had fulfilled his mission. He had prepared the way for Jesus. And as John himself knew, the time had come for the focus to switch from him to Jesus. And so it is we read at the beginning of our passage today in verse 14 that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. As Eddie pointed out last week, the word translated good news could also be translated gospel. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God, the good news that's from God and is about God. And what is that? Well, look at verse 15. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's a good summary of the core of Jesus' teaching throughout his ministry, and it's well worth focusing on it. So let's do that for a few minutes. Let's take it bit by bit. The time has come. Well, we sometimes use the expression, the time has come, uh, as a, a form of imperative, as in, hurry up children, get in the car, the time has come to go to church. Uh, but Jesus wasn't using it in that way. You see, what Jesus literally said was, the time is fulfilled. Those Old Testament prophets that I talked about referred to the time of God's salvation coming, the time of the coming of the Messiah, and they referred to it as that time or that day. And what Jesus was saying is, yes, that time has arrived, the time of the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. And so, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. As a result, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, of course, in one sense, the kingdom of God had always been near. God is always near. But, but what Jesus meant is, the kingdom of God has come near because the king has come to earth. In other words, he was talking about himself. There's, there's a little passage at the beginning of Mark chapter 1 uh, that it's easy to read and miss its significance. Go back to verse 3. This is a quote from Isaiah 40 verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And Mark then goes on in verse 4 to indicate that that was fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the voice calling in the wilderness. So if John was the voice calling in the wilderness, who was he preparing the way for? Well, it's it's obvious from Mark chapter 1, isn't it? He was preparing the way for Jesus. But, But just a minute. What it says is prepare the way for the Lord. And if you go back to Isaiah you'll discover that it's actually a reference to the name of God, to Yahweh. 
It's printed as Lord because the um, Jews regarded the name of God as too holy to say, so they replaced it with Lord. But it's referring to God. It's saying, prepare the way for God. So what was Mark saying? He was indicating to us that Jesus is God. And what Jesus was saying is the kingdom of God has come near because God in him has come to earth. And what's the appropriate reaction to that? Well, Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. The second part of that is easy to understand. Uh, Believe that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus. But is that good news? Now, now you may think that's a silly question to ask. Of course. But but just a minute. Uh, It all depends. And that's where repentance comes in. Consider this. Uh, Back in 1192... Uh, Richard the Lionheart, King of England, was returning to England from the Holy Land. On his way, he was captured by Duke Leopold of Austria and put in prison. And there he remained for more than a year. But eventually he was released and he headed back to England. When he arrived there, there was great rejoicing. It was good news. The king was back. Or at least... It was good news for those who had remained loyal to him while he was away. The problem was that a number of people, led by his brother John, had not. For them, his return threatened to be very bad news indeed. What they needed to do was repent, pledge their allegiance to Richard, the lawful king, and throw themselves on his mercy. Uh, Incidentally, that is what they did, and he forgave them. But here's the point. It's exactly the same in relation to Jesus coming to earth. God came near. The kingdom of God came near, and still is near. And that's great news. It's fantastic news if we're on God's side. But the problem is... We all have rebelled against God. We've not acknowledged his authority in our lives. And if we don't do something about that, then his coming will be anything but good news for us. We need to repent, to give our allegiance to him, and to throw ourselves on his mercy. And of course, that's where the gospel is really, really good news Because as Isaiah and other prophets had prophesied, Jesus came to die so that we could be forgiven, we could be accepted by God if we repent and turn to him. So that was the key message of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's then look at the rest of the passage. You see... After describing the core of Jesus' message, Mark moves on to consider people's reaction to that message. And in particular, tells us about two incidents which show how people reacted. 
By the way, although the various Gospels, the four Gospels, overlap with one another, the different evangelists tell about different incidents in Jesus' early ministry. They, They had slightly different points that they wanted to make. And the result is that we know of a very large number of incidents in Jesus' early ministry, but it's quite difficult to fit them in chronological order. It's not that the Gospels contradict, it's just that there are various possible reconstructions. And if that worries you, do come and have a chat with me afterwards. The key point, though, for us now is it doesn't actually matter. So... Let's take a look at the first of the incidents that Mark records, the calling of the first disciples. I'll uh, refresh our memory about it. This is verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Four brief points to note in relation to that. First, and most obviously, Simon, Andrew, James, and John all responded to Jesus's call. Uh, From the other Gospels, we know that this was not the first occasion on which they had met Jesus. Andrew, for example, had been a disciple of John, and uh, John the Baptist, and it was John who introduced him to Jesus. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that when Jesus called for their allegiance and a response, they gave it. And that leads to the second point. They followed Jesus. Take a look at verse 18. At once they left their nets and followed him. Their relationship with Jesus was not a horizontal one. Our relationships with God can never be horizontal. They have to begin with us acknowledging Jesus as king and repenting. That's point Two, we need to follow Jesus. Point three, just note that the following of Jesus involved loss for the disciples. They, they left their, their, their nets. They left their boats. More fundamentally, they left their livelihoods and they left their families. Now, following Jesus may not mean any of those things for us. But it will involve loss. To believe otherwise is a delusion, and it's a dangerous delusion, because it can lead to us being followers of Jesus in word only. That's point three. But then finally, point four. Did you notice Jesus gave the disciples a job to do, a task? Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus wanted his disciples to share in his ministry, to be co-workers with him. And he wants the same of us. What that means for each of us will vary. But each one of us has a task given by Jesus. 
So Simon, Andrew, James and John all became disciples. What about other people? That's where we come to the incident in Capernaum. Now we heard that Jesus preached in the synagogue at Capernaum. We don't know what he preached, but presumably it was what's said back in verses 14 and 15 or something close to it. We do know, however, that the people recognised that this was quite dramatic. They described it as a new teaching. But that wasn't all that impressed them. They weren't just impressed with what Jesus said, but the way in which he preached. They said he preached with authority. You see, in those days, the way the rabbis preached, the the rabbis were uh, very precise lawyers. Terrible people. (laughs) And what they did is they reasoned very closely and whenever making a major point, cited authority of other rabbis for it. But Jesus didn't do that. He he regarded himself as sufficient authority for what he was saying. Read the Gospels. He never cited other authorities. Oh, of course he acknowledged the authority of the Old Testament. He regarded that as the word of God. But he interpreted it and he added to it all on his own authority. And you can well imagine the people of Capernaum thinking, who can do that except God? Who does this man think he is? And of course it wasn't just his speaking that impressed the people, because he also encountered a man possessed of an impure spirit. Now there's much we could say about that, but Mark's point is in fact very simple, and it again is that Jesus had authority. As the people put it, take a look at the end of verse 27, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Did you notice, Jesus did not use any incantations. In fact, there was no ceremony whatsoever. He didn't invoke any authority, not even God's authority. He just issued a command And it occurred. Take a look at verse 25. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Jesus had authority in his teaching and he had authority in his actions. So how did the people of Capernaum react? Well, they clearly realised that something dramatic was going on. But they were a bit confused. What is this, they said. And doubtless they wondered whether this new teaching was right. And as for the exorcism, well, what did that show about Jesus? Was he doing that by the authority of God, or or was he merely showing that he was in charge of the unclean spirits? Did they repent and believe the good news? No, they didn't. Well, some of them, a few of them may have done, but sadly most of them didn't. And we know that because Jesus later told his disciples that they hadn't and said that it would be more bearable for the people of Sodom on the day of judgment than for the people of Capernaum. They rejected Jesus. 
I sometimes think it would be great if Jesus came here today, if Jesus was around today, performing miracles, teaching, evangelism would be so easy because people would turn to him and repent and believe. But they wouldn't because they didn't when he was around. Jesus came, God incarnate, the kingdom of of God came near. Jesus called on people to repent and believe, and some did. Simon, Andrew, James, John, but the majority of people didn't, and it's the same today. Jesus knew it would be. Do you remember? He said that the gate's wide that leads to destruction, and many go through it, but the gate's narrow that leads to life, and few find it. We need to make sure that we've found that gate. We need to recognise that Jesus came, God incarnate, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. We need to repent and believe the good news. And of course, incidentally, we then need to join in that great task of the church of bringing that good news to other people. Amen.